AM Radio Productions, LLC. This is a production of KMmedia.pro. Welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So come on over into our world. I know you'll like it, because on today's show, feature an amazing woman and a topic that is really important for everybody to pay attention to. So I hope that you will hang with us for the entire hour. It's going to be really good, and I'm going to, I promise you, it... Um, hopefully will change the way that you think about something and or will change the way that somebody that you know thinks about something because what we're going to be talking about today is and by the way our guest today is cammy wolf rice she is an author of an of an upcoming book called the flight um my opioid journey and we're going to be talking about opiate addiction and all the things that has to do with that um, so it's very important that you hang around for the entire hour because I don't know anybody that has not been touched by this addiction in one way or another. Everybody that I know either knows somebody intimately or knows of somebody that has had an overdose experience and passed away due to this horrible, horrible addiction that, that uh, we all face. And, and Cammy is, um, has also been through the wars, if you will. Uh, with her son, Christopher, and we're going to be talking about him, and we're going to be talking about what she's doing in a very positive way to make a difference in the world as we know it, and it's something that really needs to happen, and I'm so pleased that she's here with us today. Cammie, how are you today, young lady? Good morning, and thank you so much, Kevin, for having me today. I really appreciate it. Well, I got to tell you, this is, I, I, like everybody who listens to the show knows, I drove a bus for 12 years, and uh, I had multiple incidences of people having uh, opiate uh, um, overdoses on my bus, and Narcan had to be administered, and all that kind of good stuff. So it has affected me. I know several people personally who have passed from this addiction, and um and your story is particularly poignant and, and important for us to talk about because of your son, Christopher, that you have started a, a uh, nonprofit that uh, is uh, CWC for Christopher Wolf um, Crusade. Yes, sir. And it's, it's, it's remarkably important in this world today. Because I think, you know, Cammy, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that there's still some misnomers about this and some people who don't really understand what it is and how you get addicted and all that kind of good stuff. So let's start by talking about Christopher a little bit. Okay. Well, my son, um, this was 20 some years ago, Kevin, he was diagnosed with a colon disease and had to have a major surgery. And unfortunately it was at the exact same time that Oxycontin was released by Purdue Pharma as the wonder drug. And doctors were told that it wasn't addictive. And he had a major surgery, and we went home with 90 Oxycontins, followed by 90 more. So you had 180 pills. Um, that, and that seems like a lot to me. Yes. And, you know, we, I think as a society, and, and don't get me wrong, there are some amazing, amazing doctors out there. However, I think that we don't ask doctors enough questions 
And I did exactly what the doctor told me to do, and that was to give him an Oxycontin every four hours around the clock. And he had a hole in his stomach, so he was in chronic pain for sure. Uh, but you absolutely, and you will hear me say this over and over again, you can become addicted with one prescription. And that's exactly what happened to Christopher. And when he became addicted to the, um, the to Oxycontin, it, be, it, be, it became a, a series of events that even though he went through rehab on several occasions, he just couldn't kick it. Um, it was, it was, and part of it was the pain that he was in and part of it was the drug itself because um, it changes your brain chemistry, doesn't it? It absolutely hijacks your brain. Um, he, you know, we didn't even realize that he had an issue and he didn't either. Um, until he stopped getting the prescriptions and then we had a problem, a serious problem on our hands and we did multiple treatment centers. And when I tell you, this is a guy, my Christopher wanted to be a Navy SEAL, super disciplined, an AP student, smart. And he did everything to fight it for 14 years. That's, that's a long time to be fighting anything. And, uh, and sadly, um, after, at the, uh, tender age of, uh, what, 32? Yes, sir. At, at 32, he passed away. And, yes. and that was, had to be, I can't imagine, I've got a couple of boys myself and, uh, they're now men, but I can't imagine losing one of them before I get to go. You know, I mean, that's the thing that that's, that's the reason I have this fire inside of me, Kevin, to just ring an alarm and to share everything that happened to me and my son, my son's gone and I'm never getting my son back. And so I am doing what I'm doing to save other kids because there is no word in the dictionary for when a parent loses a child. No one wants to ever think about losing their child. And I didn't think quite honestly that something like this would ever happen to me. And that's why I want to share because it happened to a hundred thousand parents just this last year. Say that again, please. A hundred thousand people passed away last year with the opioid epidemic. 100,000 parents lost their children. It's hard to believe that with such a huge epidemic that um, we don't talk about it as much as we should. Um, we're not as a lot of, like the number that you just quoted, there are people in our audience, and you could raise your hand if you're one of them, that had no idea that that was the case. That, and I just want to remind people that in uh, during the Vietnam War, which was from 64 to 75, 56 or 59,000 uh, soldiers were killed. And this is happening to us every year that more, more and more kids and, and, and predominantly it's, it's the younger generation that is affecting the most, isn't it? It is. I mean, 80% of heroin users started with a prescription. And, you know, it can be as simple, Kevin, as taking your child to the dentist and getting wisdom teeth pulled and going home with 30 Percocet. And maybe your child has low self-esteem or peer pressure or whatever, and they become addicted just from going to the dentist and getting one prescription. And you don't need Percocet. You can use Motrin and ice. There are other non 
narcotic, non-pharmaceutical solutions to pain. And I think as a society, we look at the answer is in a pill, and that's not sustainable. Well, that's what we've been told is that when we go to the doctor, it's like, here, take this and take this. Uh, but a lot of times, all it does is mask the symptom. It doesn't solve the problem. Absolutely. And, you know, there are people out there, there are lots of people out there that have chronic pain. And believe me, I understand and I care about people with chronic pain. My son suffered chronic pain for half of his life. But opioids are not sustainable. They have many, you're going to need two, then you're going to need three, then you're going to need four. And the side effects and, and addiction sets in, you know, so it isn't the answer for chronic pain. And, and I'm sorry to say that. And I know I take a lot of heat from that sometimes, but it's the truth. And I'm going to speak the truth. You know, I've had, um, let's see, I've had like nine surgeries in my life. And uh, I've been in the hospital a number of times. And I also, you know, I had the drip um, and some of the other things that they'll, they'll do for you and stuff. Now, for me, that really never was a problem because I didn't like it. I didn't like how it made me feel. But if you like how it makes you feel, then I can understand that it is. And, and also, when you're taking it and then you go, go away from it, the withdrawal symptoms can be horrific. They can be life-threatening, can't they? Absolutely. You do have to taper off opioids in a very safe and careful way. You can't just go cold turkey if you've been on them. Um, and so, you know, that's the purpose of Christopher Wolf Crusade. And, you know, and I know we're, we've got plenty of time to talk about it, but I, I really wanted to develop a new position in healthcare that I feel is missing from the healthcare team. Um, and so that's, that's what my mission is, is prevention and education and awareness. We have to become health advocates for ourselves, Kevin. No, I, I, I get it. I understand. And when we talked the last time, by the way, if you want to, uh, uh, view and uh, listen to the last episode we did, that's number 284. Can't believe I've been doing that many. Wow. That's 284 is the episode number. If you go to positivetalkradio.net. Just look for that number, and that will be our an original discussion, which we're building on with this discussion because it's it just is that important that people get it, and that we understand that that uh, it's once you go down that road, it it is very very difficult to come back. It is, and uh, and you so much so that you've even written a book about your experiences. It's called the flight and it comes out uh, somewhere in the middle of this month you can go to uh um, um cammy's website which is cammywolfrice.com and you can pre-order the book i highly recommend that you do that and give it to a friend who may be feeling like they're going down that road and and the book is really complete it's, it's getting great reviews and uh, it's very very important that we understand how desperately our country is and we haven't even talked about fentanyl yet which we're going to talk about because that is a huge uh piece of this this whole addiction cycle that we're in that we're in but uh tell us about the book a little bit and what decided you to write it well i'd like to state up front first of all i am not profiting one penny from this book all of the author proceeds go to the charity to help others. 
Um, I just really felt like, you know what? I wrote this not for myself. I wrote this for you if you're listening. I have resources in the book. I have um, a lot of, not only did I share my journey, Kevin, but I also, I use the airplane as a metaphor because that's like our journey of life. And, you know, we stop at different places, right? We stop at success and happiness and forgiveness and grief. And, you know, while I share my journey, and I got to be, I get very, very vulnerable in the journey. I talk about way more than the opioid epidemic, way more, not to say it's not as important, but Christopher's story. But I had a home invasion. I was held at gunpoint for two hours. And I talk a lot about that. Um, my objective is to share and to be open and to be truthful about my journey so others can reflect on their own. I didn't even know. We didn't talk about that last time. <laughs> you you had a home invasion, and, and what was the purpose of that home invasion? What were they after? Anything and everything. Um, I'm based in Atlanta. Uh, my husband was traveling, and, um, yeah, I literally woke up. Well, I was in bed, and I saw a little, like, laser light, and the door opened and the door shut, and then two seconds later, there was a man standing over my bed with a gun on my forehead. And um, they ransacked the house. They took me downstairs, put me execution style. I get in very detail on the book of exactly what happened. But I guess my point is, and the reason I share the story of the home invasion is you got to keep going. You got to keep flying. You got to keep going on your journey, um, no matter how many things knock you down. There are lessons learned. Um, I ended up getting involved with a charity that helps underserved youth. And you'll just have to read the book, Kevin. You'll have to <laughs> about the well, book. Well, as soon as it comes out, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get it. Because that, that I can't imagine, uh, you know, that's one of those things that you are, as a just a person in your own home, you are concerned that, if somebody were to walk in and to do what they did to you, I mean, first of all, I'd, 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 they wouldn't want to be anywhere near me because I'd wet myself. I'm pretty sure. And, uh, it would be, it would be the scariest moment, uh, imaginable, uh, to have that happen to you. And, and, uh, that, that can cause them a myriad of problems. It could cause P PTSD and, and a bunch of stuff because of that whole issue. So, I, I, I sympathize with you. That's, that's horrible. I'm so sorry that that happened to you. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I, I mean, really, you know, I also try to do unique things in the book. Why is my book different? You know, it was interesting after COVID, right? We go to restaurants and we all had to learn how to, if we want to eat, we've got to scan the QR code at the table, right? To get the menu. And I'm sitting there one morning scanning and getting my breakfast. I'm like, wait a minute. If I do QR codes in my book, that means I can keep all the information in the back. I can do a library for people to have information, um, how to get treatment, how to help their kids. Um, so I have QR codes in the book and I actually took it a step farther and I put QR codes after every chapter that has a video of me giving extra content to what I said. Because, you know, a lot of people don't have time to actually, I try to keep the book short and to the point and meaningful and resourceful. And so now with these QR codes, I'm able to keep the information in the book up to date. It will never be stagnant. And so I'm pretty excited about that.
Do you know that that is a cutting edge kind of thing? I hadn't heard anybody say that as yet, but it makes just perfect sense that if you could put it in a book and then use the QR code to get to what you need to get to and the various um, uh, YouTube videos and the things that, that can be helpful, then that that would be, that's a really cool idea. Did you think of that all by yourself? I did. I was having breakfast one morning and I, I was sitting there and, you know, I was working on my book and I had to scan to, to get to eat. And I thought, oh, wait, 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 wait. And honestly, I checked to see if anybody else had done it. And, you know, I, I, I'm proud to say that I came up with it and I've even tested it. Um, my grandmother, I said, okay, now you're going to be the test. I want to see, can you scan this with your phone? And I showed her, it took me two minutes at most. Cause again, people are more familiar now. Now, had I put this in pre COVID people would have not known what to do, but right. she clicked it and there was a video that popped right up and I started talking to her. She got the biggest kick out of it. So I figured, you know, if my family and my grandparents can do it, then anybody can do it. I was pretty excited about that. Well, if, if <laughs> my, now my mom passed last year and if you could get her to do it, then every, then that becomes universal. Cause well, um, then there's that. Yes. Well, yeah. I got to tell you, I felt from day one, my son um, has been helping me fly this plane since day one. And um, I know, you know, you think, you know, what happens when you pass away. And I will say, at least the silver lining is that I feel Christopher's presence with me every single day. Um, he sacrificed his life so that others could live. And I've been chosen to do this work. And it's hard. It's hard to talk about my son dying every single day. But I do it so that no other mother has to feel this pain. No other father has to feel this pain. The whole objective is to save lives. That's it. You are pretty special. You know that 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 is a and by the way, I also want to mention I'd never seen this before. Now, my associate tells me that that a real true blue honest to goodness uh, charity that is on the up and up will put their EIN number out there. But uh, yours is right in your on your website. Yes, and, sir. and and so you can you can if you are so inclined, you can go to the website and um, look at her and take her EIN number and and feed that into the government and they'll tell you, uh, give you the rating and all kinds of stuff. So you're not shy about it. You're you are really interested in doing the right thing, and you're not here to make. I dare I say it, but but there are some charities that are in it so that uh, they can they pay themselves well and they make and they make good money and and a portion of the money that they raise actually gets to the cause that they're talking about but in your case it's it's like everything goes there absolutely absolutely you know i i picked one of the hardest things to do kevin um I create a new position in healthcare and i had to do a clinical trial i'm not from the healthcare world. Um, and while data is so important and academia and all that is important, um, I finished a two year trial and now I'm ready to get to the humanity side. But everybody, I met with over 150 doctors and deans of law schools and deans of nursing schools. And I pitched this whole idea of what this position's about. And everybody said, well, you know what, Cammie, it is needed, but you gotta find the money. 
And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to find the money. And so that's why I have the charity. That's why I'm raising the money. It's to create this new position. And, and if you don't care, I'm going to, I would love to share what it's all about. Well, I, I do care. And I would love you to share what it's all about. All right. Well, you know, here's the thing. If you look at, um, look at sports teams, for example, what would the football teams now do without a coach? Even personal tennis players have coaches. We have executive coaches and dietitian coaches, and there's even sleeping coaches. There's coach for everything, except for if you're in the hospital and you're in a health crisis, you don't have a coach to help you get through the recovery. And that's what Christopher didn't have. And that's what I didn't have as his caretaker. And so I've developed a new position. Um, again, we've had a clinical trial two years in the hospital, and it's called a life care specialist. To patients, we're known as a care coach. We're not coming in to pick and prod you or to give you medicine. We're coming in to give a pain management strategy so that you have a pain, a specific pain management uh, strategy to give you techniques to help with anxiety, stress, depression, and PTSD. And most patients, if you're in the hospital, you might have all four of those things, right? Yeah. And then if you've been put on an opioid, our job is to say, okay, you're on an opioid. This is how fast you need to taper off. And here are all the things you can do when you're in pain besides take that opioid. So it's a care coach. And um, so my goal is to have these coaches in hospitals across the United States. That is a, number one, is a lofty goal, but number two, it is such a needed goal. And it, it is absolutely, in, in, because when you're sitting in a hospital, I don't know, there are people that have never been in a hospital, but I've had both my hips replaced. I've had stomach surgery, I've had back surgery. I've, you name it, it's been worked on. And uh, uh, when you're sitting in the room and you've got a nurse that, maybe has been there for 12 to 14 hours and she's got 10 other patients and she she's there to take care of your basic needs uh, to make sure that you're getting what you need and all that kind of stuff. But she's not there to handle the mental side or the secure or the uh, care side. And it would be really cool to have somebody walk into your room and, and sit down by your bed and say, how you doing? And that let me, a listening ear, a listening ear, absolutely. And you know, you were telling me now. I know the world generates and operates on this green thing called money, and if if it costs money, then it's liable not to get implemented. It, but if you can defray the cost and figure out how it all works, um, and you have you've actually done the math, and yes. and you've figured out how it gets paid for. Absolutely. Um, it does save money to the hospital. Also, our country is unfortunately under a nursing crisis right now. And so we've the life care specialists have really been able to give respite to nurses and to help them because they like you said earlier, they don't have the time. And so in I'm not saying cross the board because every hospital's costs are different. But on an average, if two and a half three patients don't return to the emergency room within that 30 days of being released from the hospital, that pays for the life care specialist for a year. And honestly, it's the solution for rural communities across this country that don't have access to healthcare is having these care coaches. Didn't you have a meeting with someone who is, who told you that very same thing? Tell us that story real quick. 
It's one of my favorite stories, actually. Oh, good. The, uh, <laughs> yes. So thank you. I appreciate that. I love telling the story. So the dean of the medical and nursing school at Mercer University in Georgia, she had gotten one of my presentations through a friend of mine. I didn't, I don't know. I didn't know her at the time. And she called me and she said, can you come down to the school and meet? And I said, yes, ma'am. So I went down. First words out of her mouth were, do you realize you have the solution for rural communities across the country? And I was, I said, could you say that again, really, really slow? <laughs> can I get my phone out and tape that? Um, fast forward, since I've talked to you last, Kevin, I had a big event um, this on September 18th. It was Christopher's heavenly birthday. And I had over 300 people and I did my private launch of the book and I was interviewed and talked about the life care specialist and Dean Sumner, who I was speaking of, uh, she was in the audience. And so this last Friday, she calls me. She said, Cammy, there was a person in your audience that called the president of the university and is anonymously donating $50,000 to start your rural life care specialist in Georgia. And I got a person to match. So I got $100,000 to start the life care spe specialist program in rural Georgia. And I am obviously beyond ecstatic about it. Congratulations. That is a really, really big deal. Thank you. Thank you. I'm <laughs> excited. I'm real excited. Well, and and I'm hiring in the rural community too, because, you know, I've had some debates with some medical doctors and actually I'm going to brag about myself a minute. I, I won the debate because they said, why are you not requiring a four-year degree? And I said, if you're going to have a solution in rural communities, this position needs to be hired in rural communities with someone that is a trusted person out of the community. And you don't need, I can, I've got the whole curriculum. You don't need a four-year college degree. First of all, you need empathy and compassion, and you don't get that in a piece of paper. I'm not slamming college degrees, so let's don't, get, don't no haters out there. I think that's great if you get a college degree. Um, I have three life care specialists on staff that all have their four-year degree. However, you do not have to. I've built the curriculum so that I can train people, they can become certified, and there is no four-year degree required for this position. It's not what's in your head. It's what's in your heart. Yes, sir. That's what makes the big difference in a position like that. And if you provide them with all the training and they've got, the, they've got it in their heart, if it's in their passion to do this, that's how success happens. They're going to be across the country and you can say, Hey, I talked to her when, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's it, when a good idea happens and somebody with means has the ability to make a difference. Um, I think that they'll do that because it's a way for them. I, I mean, obviously the gentleman who gave you a $50,000 check was just like, well, let's see, I won't go out to dinner on Thursday and we'll give her a $50,000 check, but <laughs> well, I did it anonymously, so I have no idea who the donor is. Well, they did that because they didn't want you coming back for more, probably. No, yeah, uh, because it's 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 very important. Right? By the way, we're talking with Cami Wolf Rice. Go to CamiWolfRice.com. 
You can pre-order the book, The Flight, My Opioid Journey, and it talks about her and her son, and and apparently there's a whole lot more in the book than, than we've even talked about. So uh, she's going to keep that a little bit on, on to herself, and, but uh, please do that. And uh, we need to take a quick break real quick. This is only going to be like a two-minute break, so don't go anywhere, anybody. We're going to talk more with Cammie about um, the opioid Opie, I can't even say opi, oh, it's Monday morning. Uh, opioid, the, the, the drug addiction or the addiction of, of prescription medication that turns into heroin, that turns into, but we haven't touched on the biggest thing out there that is going to be affecting a lot of kids in a really bad way, and that's fentanyl. So when we come back, I know Cammy is very versed on it and has done a lot of research on it. We're going to talk about this insidious thing that is being introduced to our culture that can have horrible, horrible consequences to a ton of people who don't even know they're taking it at the time. So we'll be right back. You're listening to KKNW 1150 AM. This show is called Positive Talk Radio. We're on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I hope that you'll join us always, and we'll be right back. When you want to say more than words communicate, you can with flowers. Your custom boutique floral studio in Bothell, Washington is anaturaldesign.com, connecting you to nature through the language of flowers. Where your people are is where our flowers are beautiful. Your success is our goal. Now through New Year's Eve, here's your exclusive bonus for being our appreciated listener. Type in promo code Positive Talk Radio at checkout to receive $20 off your order. Our gift to you for being here with us today. AnaturalDesign.com And I'm excited that you're listening to the show right now. And if you like what we're doing here, you're going to love what we do on PositiveTalkRadio.net. On PositiveTalkRadio.net, each show is created live packed with positive information with real people discussing real issues and positive solutions that can work for everyone. I hope that you'll join us on PositiveTalkRadio.net and listen to all 295-plus shows. I think it's worth your time. But then, that's just me. That's PositiveTalkRadio.net, your home for great progressive positive podcasts. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Positive Talk Radio. This is a very important one. I hope that you'll all stay tuned. And, in fact, I implore you for this next segment, please, if you have friends and and family that you know that um, have been either touched by this or could potentially be, um, ring them up and tell them that they need to be listening to KKNW 11:50 a.m. right now because first of all I got to ask you uh, what did you think of that theme song that is my new theme song what do you think I love it well you have a great radio voice by the way I mean you're just like pro I love it no the intro is awesome oh thank you very much I, the gentleman who wrote that for me and he wrote it for me uh, is coming on the show next Monday at nine his name is Tommy Tika and he's got a, a book out uh, which is a novel and we're also he is working with a group called Born Free, and they have put together a couple of albums now that they are selling, and the proceeds are going to uh, fight global warming. Because um, I don't know if you know it. Now, where are you, by the Are you back east? I'm Who's in Atlanta. Atlanta. You're in Atlanta. I'm well, Atlanta. I, tell you, I tell you what, it is, it is October 3rd here. And it is going to be 78 degrees in Seattle. Now that in all in and of itself is a huge deal. 
Uh, only because it's never 78 in October, of all things. Um, so, in, But in any event, again, we're talking to uh, Cammy Wolf-Rice. CammyWolfRice.com is the name of the website that you need to go to. I was watching television day before yesterday, and there's a group that is concerned about Halloween is coming up at the end of the month. And there is something called fentanyl, and we're going to get into talking about that. But they were saying that there is a candy that has been laced with fentanyl. It looks very similar to a sweet tart. And it is something that if you know what you're doing and you know how to handle it is one thing. But if a kid gets hold of it, it could cause their death. Uh, very quickly. And, and Tammy, we talked about, I, it was amazing. We had our interview and then I saw this on the news that it it was like, Oh my God, this is, this is a big deal uh, because they're now putting things like that into, and also in edibles that go into uh, some of the, because in, in Washington state, uh, um, cannabis is, is not illegal anymore. And so they have what's called an edible. And in that edible that you that is not government regulated, so you don't exactly know what's in it or the amount of uh, whatever stuff that makes you high is in there, and and that can be that can be deadly, and you don't even know it until it's too late. Let's talk about fentanyl first of all. What is it? Well, it's a synthetic drug. Um, you don't have to wait for it to grow. It can be made by the masses. It's made very cheaply. It's um, coming from China into Mexico and then across our borders. And if you know the word COVID, you should know the word fentanyl because our country literally, and this is out of the DEA direct communication, we're under a chemical warfare attack, literally. And we're not being fear mongers. It's not that at all because there's someone dying every nine minutes in our country. And let's, let's, let's talk Florian here, right? Everybody, I won't say everybody, a lot of people have experimented in drugs in the past. You're in college, you're at a party, whatever the situation may be, you experiment, you're curious. The difference with experimenting today is that street drugs have been poisoned. So it's actually not an overdose. You haven't taken too much of medicine. You could take one pill one Adderall that, that you get at school that you want to stay up and study and they say, hey, take this Adderall and that way you can stay up and study one Adderall and it can be poisoned with fentanyl and you're gone, you're dead. It's in Adderall, it's in Oxycontin, it's in Xanax, it's in marijuana. And just like you just said, there was a 14 year old girl got a sweet tart that she thought was a sweet tart at school and she's gone, she's dead. And so we, we, we don't have a choice as a country. We have got to be aware. We've got to start sharing with everyone. And to me, everyone should own Narcan. There are people in coffee shops across our country that are being trained on how to administer Narcan because there's so many people taking a pill and going into the restroom and dying because the pill has poison in it. So we all need to be carrying Narcan. 
literally. I mean, that is what I scream day in, day out. Everyone should have Narcan. It's a nasal spray, Kevin. You can literally save a life. Now, let's say you see somebody on the ground and you think it's an you think they've been poisoned, it's an overdose, and you give them that nasal spray, it's not gonna hurt them if that's not what it was. So let's be clear on that. <laughs> you know, uh, this is just something everyone should have in there. They should know. You know COVID, you should know fentanyl, you should know Narcan, period. Well, well, here, here's a story for you. Um, this, and this happened while I was driving a bus like three or four years ago. And in, in those days, uh, Narcan was something that only, in, at least in this community right now, or it was as of a couple of years ago, Narcan was only available through Medic One which means that in, in this particular case, the gentleman was out. He was out cold. He was apparently in, in the process of an overdose. And so the fire department came. They recognized that he was in, in trouble. Uh, they called an aid car who verified that he was in trouble. And then they had to call Medic One and wait for Medic One to get there to administer the Narcan. That It's amazing stuff because it just woke him right up. Nothing could wake him up at all. He was he was on his way out and nothing could wake, wake him up but but this did and uh, so I asked the the uh, uh, medic one uh, um, technician and so is he going to be okay? I mean is he fine now? It's amazing that that just he said no it wears off. So it's, we got to take him to the emergency room but it buys us time. Yes. It, it buys us time before that happens. And and so you know Fast forward like six months, and I was um, at um, Kent Station there, and there is a uh, um, a kind of a ledge that that people like to sit at, mm -hmm. and uh, there's there's a our our comfort station is just past that ledge, and so as I'm going to the comfort station, I see these two feet sticking up, from because this this man literally fell over backwards and um, passed out and his feet were sticking up in the air. And uh, it would have been very handy if somebody would have been real close. So I had to, I called Medic One and I called the fire department who then called Medic One and then they administered Narcan and, and he was okay. But I agree with you, it needs to be, if it doesn't have any adverse side effects, then it needs to be more available to the public so that when you see, because you're gonna walk up to somebody and they're going to be in crisis. And if you have the ability to help them at that moment and call 911 and do all of those things, but you can prevent them from perhaps dying in the interim. That's right. I mean, it literally tells your lungs to breathe. That's the best way to describe Narcan. It, it literally tells your lungs to breathe. Um, now they hold you in the ER for a longer period of time, fentanyl has gotten so strong, just like you mentioned earlier, the Narcan can wear off and the fentanyl shoots right back up and you can still die. So they have to have another, sometimes two, three uh, sprays of the nasal spray Narcan before you're okay. So you have to be monitored for some quite time after that. And just realize that, you know, it's sad to say I've, I've had, People say, well, why, why would you care if a druggie dies? They chose to do the drug. I've had someone say that to me, Kevin. And my first answer is, number one, you're not God. You don't get to decide 
when someone dies and if someone was drowning in front of you, would you not give them the oar? I, I, I don't really have time for that kind of nonsense because I just can't imagine somebody not wanting to save a life. And it might not be an addict. It could be somebody that just thought they were taking a Xanax for anxiety. Uh, it could be any num numerous situations, but I can't imagine somebody, you know, and then I also get the question of, well, or the statement, my kid, my kid wouldn't do that. I've had many conversations with my child. My kid knows better. And, you know, my answer to that is I'm sure that that's what the West Point cadets families thought when their kids went to spring break and tried cocaine and OD because there was fentanyl in it. Um, we all want to think the best of our children, and it might not be your child. It might be your child's friend. Or it might be a neighbor who knows the situation. And I agree with you, it needs to be easier to get. Um, my opinion is the government should be, and the people that have caused this, should be dispersing it for free. Many states, it is for free. You don't need a prescription. Some states you do. Every state is different. Um, I'm that's one of the other things I, I scream and yell at is like everyone should have easy, simple access to Narcan. Absolutely. Well, and the other thing that, that is important in my frame of mind is that if you're trying to get better, if you're in rehab and then you exit rehab because you can, you're there for like 30 days or whatever, but there's still a period where you are not well yet. Um, you still have to, it's a struggle every day. And there are times when sometimes you get overwhelmed by that struggle. And people, if you are, as an example, an alcoholic, and you, and you fall off the wagon and you go and you, and you drink and then you pass out, and then, but you wake up. If, you're, if you do, it, I know a friend of a friend was in recovery, had a really bad day, and he thought that he would go and have a, you know, a bender and um, rented a hotel room. They found him the next day with a needle still in his arm and he was dead um, because that can and then tell us how much fentanyl does it take to hurt you? It depends on the situation, Kevin, if, if somebody there are, unfortunately, fentanyl um, drug addicts out there that have been, and they have more of a tolerance built up. And, but for somebody that hasn't, you can have literally a speck of like the size of a salt, a, a salt shaker, you know, that much in a pill and it can kill you. It is so deadly. And there are, you know, I'll give you a good example. How many kinds of sodas do we have? Right, you got <laughs> cherry go to, soda. You got Dr. Pepper. You got root beer. You got go cream to, soda. You got Sprite. Right. Go to any grocery store, and you've got a couple of aisles of just soda. Okay. Same with fentanyl. There's many, 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 many different flavors of fentanyl, and so the government and the DEA—they're trying. They're starting now to treat overdoses as a homicide. They're tracking down and they're arresting dealers because it's murder. It is murder. If you know that there's fentanyl in a pill and someone dies, that's murder. So they're really treating uh, overdoses and deaths differently in the country. And so my point is it's coming by the masses into our country. And so 
you can have any kind of flavor and it depends it's not like you have rocket scientists making this dropping these pills but once you get addicted to fentanyl if you've got somebody that's in full-blown addiction and they're taking fentanyl they're going to be back way quicker than an oxycontin they're going to be constantly your best customer but if they die most drugs are not sold on the street anymore it's all by the black web and so they've got millions of more customers and they go to the next I guess that's progress for you. It's all by the web now, and you don't have anybody standing on a street corner selling, selling this stuff. But then also, the other problem is is that there is no regulation of any of it. So you have no earthly idea from one pill to another um, how much fentanyl, if any, that they put in there, and if they put too much in. That's that's for me personally, and this is just me. The reason I'm a bit of a control freak. And so when I, you when you take a pill or you take a couple of pills, you don't know what the outcome is going to be. <laughs> that kind of freaks me out just a little bit uh, because I don't want to be in a situation where I feel pretty good. Oh, no, I feel really good. Oh, no, I don't feel good anymore. I, you know, I don't I don't want to go through the down that road. But there are some people that do and uh, we need to help them and we need to we need to improve our in a myriad of things. But the biggest thing is the program that you're advocating that you're putting together to put people in the hospitals that not that nurses don't care, but they're overworked, but if it's their job to care and you've got the heart for it, that is a wonderful, wonderful thing. I think. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, you know, again, there's story after story, unfortunately. Um, when I went up to, when I went to DC and met with the DEA, I sat next to a woman that, her 14 year old child had gone to a slumber party. All the kids, good kid, great kid, no problem with drugs, no addiction, no nothing. And they were on Snapchat and they got hit up on Snapchat. Oh, you want to stay up and dance and laugh till you can't stop laughing. You won't stop laughing. Those kids at that slumber party died. All of them. Oh my God. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Parents, wake up. This is not it. This is not. We're not trying to put fear monger. We're trying to save your lives, kid, your children's lives. It's a real thing happening. Um, and so, you know, I've got so many areas. It's like an octopus and all these little tentacles. I've got the hospital. I've got the youth. You know, training youth. I really want youth to be educated so that they can train and it can be peer to peer, right? Because if we talk to youth. As adults, you know how that is. That just doesn't, you know, that doesn't fly. But if we get youth to train and you get youth certified in a training that they go out and they train their friends and they warn their friends, I think that's much more powerful. So, like I said, Kevin, it's a fire within me. I really, you know, like I said earlier, my son is gone. Um, I can't bring him back, but I can save your son. I can save your daughter. And, you know, it ties into what you were talking about a minute ago. I think a big issue in this country is stigma. And we have a visual of what it looks like to be an addict and what we think of addicts. And it is a disease. It is a brain disease. It is something you will live with the rest of your life. That's why my swim lane is prevention, 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 because once it starts, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta fight it every day of your life, right? 
And so, um, but I think if we all start talking about it, and that's why I really wanted to be raw in my book, I really wanted to share everything I could possibly share so that people would have to relate and understand that we got to talk about it because the silence is what kills. It took me two years to say my son overdosed because as sick as this sounds, I wanted my son to have a respectable death. So not only was I dealing with the loss of him, the loss of not having my Christopher, I didn't want people to think bad of my son. And mm -hmm. that's got to stop because the silence is what kills. And that's why there's so many people dying in our country every day. You know what, for me, is the most frightening aspect of it is that in my youth, I was not an angel. I did some things that uh, experimental things that I probably shouldn't have done, um, which a lot of kids do. So when I was talking to my kids about the straight and narrow and not taking drugs and not doing any pot or, or drinking underage or any of the things that kids are liable to do. And they looked at me and they said, dad, Oh, thou hypocrite. <laughs> Cause you did the same thing when you were a kid. And so you're going to have to allow me to do the same things. And it didn't work for me to say, yeah, but son, times are different today. Now, if I, if one of his peers were to say, no, Sean, times are different today. And, and, and it's not a matter of you going and having a beer. It's a matter of you could die. And then you don't have a chance. Um, and it's, and if you think that's hyperbole, it's not, it's really is happening to the tune of a hundred thousand kids a year or hundred thousand people. And that's, that is an obscene, absolutely obscene statistic. And I, and I thank you for doing the work that you're doing because we need you out there and we need people to support your work doing what you're doing. And so you can go to CamiWolfRice.com um, and there's actually a donate page there. So if you're one of these guys in Seattle that's got, you know, like uh, $100 bills hanging out of your pockets and you don't need some of them, um, go there and donate for this because I can't think of a better – you could – the more we talk about this, the more that uh, Cammy's out there, the more lives we can save. And how much is one life worth? How much is a hundred lives worth? And uh, I really appreciate the work that you're doing and you're doing it for all the right reasons. You're doing it for nothing other than the satisfaction. And also uh, Christopher is with you every day and he is driving the process. Yes, yes. And I do have a website for Christopher Wolf Crusade. It's cwc.ngo. And they, we have a lot of resources there, more stuff about the care coach. Um, you know, again, just any kind of information that we could think of that would help another parent, another person suffering, uh, that you're not alone. You're not alone in this. And we all know one. If we're honest, we all know one. And if you don't know one, Put your seatbelt on. Put your seatbelt on because I, I don't wish this on anyone, but you've got to educate and be prepared for this. And God bless. God bless everybody. It is remarkable um, that we don't hear more about this. I think this should be, uh, this should be uh, amongst, more people are dying of this than car accidents. 
and and many other ways and and this should be a major 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 topic because we need to educate people and for those among us that would say no we should protect our kids and not educate them for for various sundry reasons or or keep them on the straight and narrow or whatever they say to prevent you from to having an honest conversation with your kid i don't know that you can start too early to have that um didn't we talk about like five years old and to have an age appropriate conversation with them about illegal drugs and about what's happening even at that tender age my grandson is six years old and he can have a thorough conversation with you about self-medicating about dangers of pills um about asking doctors questions it's okay to ask doctors questions. Why do I need all these pills? Can I have something else? Why do I have to take opioids? Is this an opioid? Most people don't even know they're taking an opioid because there's so many different names for them. You know, so yeah, you cannot teach early enough. And I, I can tell you, you know, I have, we have an army of mamas that are across this country that have lost their children. You want to talk about a strong group of women. And a couple of weeks ago, they were at the White House protesting about fentanyl. Why is our government not doing anything? Why are we not? Why are we letting all these drugs come flooding into our country? Why are we not passing out Narcan like we do vaccines? Um, and we're talking about 100,000 people in the last year. It's over 500,000 since this started. In just one year, we're talking about it would be the equivalent of 33,000 9-11s. Put that in your mind. It's, I mean, it's a, that's how big this is. That's how enormous this is. And that's why you are so passionate about it. We've got just we've got just a minute left, and I want to set myself aside, and I want you to uh, talk to our audience and to everybody who's listening right now and tell them exactly what you would like them to know. Wow, what an opportunity. Well, first of all, I want to bless you, Kevin, because you've given me a microphone, and any time I can get the opportunity to share what I know, I just can't explain the fire inside of me. So if you're out there listening to me right now, I'm not trying to be a fear monger. I'm trying to save American lives. I'm trying to help. If you need resources, the help is out there. Um, get the book, get the book so you have the access to the real-time information. And please have compassion in your heart for anyone that's fighting this. And if you have a child or a loved one that's fighting this, they're in there. Don't ever give up on your loved one. They are there and they need help and support always. And if you happen to be the one that is on um, uh, these drugs and, and you feel like you need to fix it, there are, there are resources for you. Go find them. Cammie Wolf-Rice has been our guest and... Uh, Go to CamiWolfRice.com, get all the information you need. I want to thank everybody for being here. We'll be back Wednesday at 4. Cami, you can come back anytime, okay? Thank you. Let's keep in touch. Absolutely. Ab absolutely. And by the way, be kind to one another because, you know, each other's all we got. We'll see you Wednesday.